Principal Matters Podcast, episode 323. Hi, school leaders. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about lessons for new leaders, a part two conversation with Dr. Lute Croy. If you didn't listen to episode 322, you need to go back because you missed some unbelievable value bombs from Dr. Lute Croy. But here's a quick abbreviated introduction. Dr. Luke Croy is currently an assistant principal at Prosper High School in Prosper, Texas, where he serves approximately 3,800 students. He's in his 20th year in education. He has been a teacher, a coach, an instructional coach, and now an assistant principal. In He's worked in both Texas and Oklahoma. He's also the founder of the New School Leader, where he dives into his passion for helping new and aspiring administrators in their leadership journeys. He has a bachelor's degree from Southern Methodist University in Dallas, a master's from Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas, and a doctorate from Abilene Christian University. Dr. Lute Croy, welcome back to Principal Matters Podcast. Last time we talked about transitions for leaders. And I ask you to stay around for uh, another session for today's session, because I want to talk to you about the research and the work and the journey that you've had working with new leaders. Uh, But before I do, um, when we were off the air, you were telling me, well, I had one more thing I wanted to add to that conversation on transitions. And so we've done like, I think four episodes in Principal Matters now on transitions for leaders. And what's something else that you'd like to add to that conversation for folks that are thinking of transitioning in their leadership? Yeah. So uh, thanks for having me back. First of all, I'm fired up. The uh, the one thing I thought, right, like it always happens when you get done, you're like, gosh, there's this one other thing I meant to say. But um, some really good advice I got once when I was uh, thinking about making a transition. I was I was in Tulsa. I was at Union High School. And I was talking to my head football coach at the time, who's one of the best leaders I've ever been around, regardless of whether it's football or teaching or administration, he's incredible. And we were sitting there and this is before I decided it was time to move into administration. I was still all in on coaching and uh, we were sitting there and I was talking about potentially making a move. And he looked at me and he said, all right, let's, let's, let's start here. Where do you want to retire? I went, that's, that's a stretch, man. I'm like 32 years old. I have no idea. And he's like, just, just play along with me. Where do you want to be when you retire? So I, I kind of told him, well, I, I want your job. Your job's fantastic. That You're the place that I want to be. He said, okay, so if that's the place that you want to retire from, what's the job you have to have before you can get this one? And so I, I threw out something. He said, okay, so what's the job you have to have before you get that one? And, you know, he took me through this backwards planning exercise And it made a huge difference because it kind of opened my eyes to the journey that I had ahead of me. And so I think that's a huge thing in transition, kind of backwards plan where you want to end up. And you can think about the roles that you need along the way to get to that place. Now, it's not a perfect system, right? Because uh, as you and I have talked, there have been times where I thought I had it planned out perfectly. I thought... Hey, I'm going to go uh, in, in, in this particular transition. I came down to Dallas and I interviewed for a job that was a perfect fit. I, I met with the coach that, that I was potentially going to work for. I met with the principal. And, you know, if I do say so, I crushed the interviews, absolutely crushed them. My wife and I um, loved that area. That was where we thought we wanted to live. Everything looked like it was going to line up 
I got called back down for a second interview. So man, I'm driving back down from Tulsa. They absolutely must want me. And before I got back to Tulsa, uh, you know, I mean, we were, we were looking at houses. We were doing the whole thing before I got back to Tulsa. I got the phone call that they were going to go in another direction. And it, and it really, it kind of crushed me in that moment because everything seemed to make perfect sense, right? I was a great fit for their staff. I had the experience that they needed. Uh, the principal absolutely loved me. Our interview was almost two hours long, just me and the principal. It was just one of those great conversations where you walk out and go, well, if the principal is making a decision, I'm in. She, we're great. And, uh, and I didn't get the job and I just could not wrap my head around it. And, you know, at that time, and, and I shared this with you um, a few weeks ago when we, when we talked, there was a, there was a scripture that came to me and um, I wrote it down. I actually have it here on my phone because I wanted to share it, but uh, my faith is important to me and I know it's important to you. And uh, so this is something that came to me and, and it's become really important for me in transition. So uh, I'm going to read this if, if you don't mind, but there's a, there's a verse in the book of James chapter four, verses 13 and 13 through 15. And here's what it says. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And that came to me at the perfect time because my wife and I thought we had it all figured out. We were super fired up for this transition and it just didn't work out, but it, it was that last piece right? of if the Lord wills, we'll do this. And here's the funny piece of that whole thing. Well, I didn't get that job working at that school for that coach and that principal. My first assistant principal job two years later was working for that principal in that building. Um, you know, so I could not figure out in that moment why it didn't work out because I had it planned and it was perfect and it was going to catapult me into whatever I thought was ahead of me and we couldn't figure it out. And then two years later, I'm in that building working for that principal as one of her administrators. And I'm the um, assistant principal who is over athletics at that point. Right. So we can plan it out as well as we want, but we also have to be very loose in our application of that plan because we're not in control right? We can only control what we can control and we got to do um, ultimately what, what the Lord says, you know, we're supposed to be doing. I'm so glad you started there. What a, what a great way to recenter um, ourselves, Lou, because, you know, it, it, we've, I've spent the last four or five episodes of, of this podcast talking about transitions and planning and backward mapping and thinking through, you know, logistics. And I get so much joy out of those kinds of activities. I think that's part of my DNA as a, as it's part of my personality. I just love mm -hmm. new adventures. And so for me, transition is an adventure, which is probably why my career has had so many different pathways, but um, there's just so much wisdom in reminding ourselves that we are ultimately not in control. And, and I know so many, um, especially leadership podcasts, because I listen to a lot of them, will talk about how you are the captain of your destiny and you, and, and, and there's a, there's two sides to that coin. Um, yes, the actions and the decisions that you make on a daily basis will have a ripple effect on those around you. The, the seeds that you plant in your leadership soil will bear some kind of fruit as you move forward. Your actions do matter in, in the terms of things that can or cannot take place around you and, and the way you're cultivating growth. 
but it's, you know, the wise farmer knows that he can plant the seed. He can, he can put in the right fertilizer. He can cultivate his soil. He can do all the things that he can do with his own power, but the growth is nothing he can control. He cannot control the miracle of that seed. He cannot control the weather. He cannot control droughts or, um, or rainstorms. Those are things that are so beyond our control. I'm going to be really vulnerable, but just in the last two weeks, I've had two dear friends um, in my life who have communicated to me that they were diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, when you get that news from people you love, man, does it bring life back into perspective when you recognize that, you know, in some cases treatment is available where there's a, a, there's a potential cure. And in other cases there may not be. And so when you, when you, when you're reminded that ultimately we are not in control of things, it just keeps everything in perspective. It helps us to realize that yes, transition and planning and all those things are important parts of our life. I love that, that, that wise coach told you, think about the end first, where do you want to end? And then map yourself that direction. Cause that's such a great way to get yourself out of the moment. Mm -hmm. But as you're mapping principal matters, listeners, as you're thinking about that future, remember that every single day is a gift and every, and the moment that you're in is just as important as the moment that you're pointing toward. So man, loot way to bring it back to the center <laughs> as we're, as we're talking about this, you know, but one of the reasons that I wanted to circle back for a second session with you is because you have spent a lot of time in your leadership developing in your own growth, but also of investing in new leaders. And you've done that a lot of ways, your own story, your doctoral dissertation. And so I, I wanted to invite you to tell us that story of, of why you have such a passion for helping develop new leaders. Yeah. Um, so it's, you can talk about being vulnerable, right? So it, my story, my story is, is that, um, so we'll go back to about eight years ago when I kind of started feeling that tug, like, man, I, I think I might want to move into administration, which if you would have asked me when I became an educator, if that's something that I wanted to do, I would have kind of laughed and, and shrugged it off and moved on. I, I had no desire to move into administrative role. And when I was in Tulsa uh, at Union High School, I had two, two administrators, uh, Dr. Kathy Dodd and Lisa Witcher, who just poured into me. Um, and they, it's one of those things where I feel like a lot of times, uh, administrators are looking for reasons why something won't work, right. They, they try to poke holes in things intentionally, right. They're trying to avoid something negative that might happen. Uh, they're trying to see where could this go bad? Um, they were very different, right. They were, they were looking for reasons to say yes. Right. So if I came with an idea, they, they found a way to make it work and they poured into me, they poured into my growth and I saw myself getting better in the classroom. At this point, I was eight or nine years into my teaching career and I was a very decent teacher, but I would not have put myself up against, uh, you know, some of the best teachers out there. And these two women poured into me and they started all of a sudden, you know, they're putting me into leadership roles and asking me to present at professional learning um, sessions and things like that which nobody had ever asked me about my opinion about literacy strategies or anything like that before. It was always, Hey, can you come talk about D line play? And, you know, can you teach us how to, you know, teach our kids how to throw the discus better? And I was really good at those things, but I had no confidence in my ability to stand in front of a group, a group of teachers and talk about 
how to implement certain literacy strategies or how to use social media in the classroom and things like that, which things that I was doing, I just didn't, I didn't have that confidence. And anyways, these two women just absolutely poured into me and, and I saw myself growing and getting better in the classroom because of it. Right. So when, when you put yourself out there and you start presenting, you, you naturally make yourself better in the classroom because you want to make sure you know what you're talking about. But I started growing and I saw them multiplying their leadership through me. And I was going through my master's degree at that point in time. And I started to kind of realize like on a daily basis, I touch 120 kids, right? Well, if I could work with 30 teachers who are each touching 120, 180 kids a day, we're, that's some serious multiplying, right? That's some serious multiplication of your leadership. And that was the first time where it kind of occurred to me that that was a viable future for me. So I started doing some of the things that you and I had talked about in the last episode, right? I started consuming everything that I could, um, listening to the Principal Matters podcast, reading Principal Matters book. And uh, I got to a place where I felt really confident that that was the direction I wanted to go. So I did all the things that you have to do uh, to get your first AP job. I, I applied in several places. I made a couple of moves to get myself into a situation like we talked about in the last episode. So I won't rehash all that. And, and I finally got my first job working for that principal who turned me down two years ago to be a coach for her. But, and I remember feeling so confident going through the interview process and I got hired and I felt super good about it. And in July, right? So we start those, we're on a 11 month contract. So we start in July before teachers show up, before students show up. And I remember my first day was July 17th. I don't know why I remember that date, but I remember the date and it was a Monday and I was so excited about it. And I remember laying in bed the night of the 16th and I did not sleep one minute all night long. And it wasn't because I was excited about the job. It was because I laid there all night trying to figure out what am I supposed to do when I show up at the office tomorrow? There were no teachers, there were no students. And I thought I was just going to walk in to my office and I had no idea what to do. And it, and it freaked me out because I had been preparing and preparing and studying leadership and all of those things. But the actual day-to-day, -day, like what we talked about in the last episode, and the day-to-day -day execution of the role, I had no idea what I was supposed to do. So I just laid there in bed all night, like trying to figure it out. And I never came up with an answer. And thankfully, I sat down that day. I got there and my principal called a meeting of the whole staff, whole administrative staff. And she lined out all of our roles and responsibilities for us so that, you know, we were all on the same page. And I still didn't know what I was doing, but I at least had an idea of like, okay, at least I know what my responsibilities are. Now I can start to like figure these things out as we go. But um, that's kind of where my, my journey started. And it led me into this place of, and, and we talked about it in the last episode, where I just asked a million questions that first year, because I knew... I'm a pretty decent communicator. It's one of my, you know, if you go through the strengths finders things, communication is one of my, my top five. I'm a pretty decent communicator. Um, I'm pretty decent at bringing people together and, and moving people in a direction, but it was that day to day. How do I handle this thing? Oh, this kid did this thing. I have no idea what, what to respond or how to respond. I don't know the legalities around all of the discipline things and attendance. And so I just wore the carpet out between my desk and my principal's desk 
every day asking questions. And I kept asking, or I asked our associate principal that year, like, am I just an idiot? Like, do I not know what's going on? And she said, no, no, everybody goes through this their first year. And that kind of got me thinking the state of Texas says I'm certified and qualified. Lamar University says I have a degree in school leadership. You know, all signs point to me being able to do this job, except actually sitting in the role and doing the job. Why don't I know how to do this? And it just got me started thinking at that point of there's got to be a better way. We can't ask people to step into this first role and have no idea what they're doing because we're effectively wasting a year of our career just trying to figure out how to make it work. And then everything's better because you've gone through most of the things at least one time in that first year. And that kind of, that was a very formative moment for me because that's a year and a half later, I started working on my doctorate and I knew going into it that that was what I wanted to study. I needed to understand how we can make something better for aspiring administrators so that when they step into the role the very first time, they don't feel overwhelmed. They don't feel lost like, like I did. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I've been doing for the last four years is studying that and spending time trying to understand the plight of new administrators and aspiring administrators and trying to see if I can figure out ways to help them make that transition a little bit easier. Well, what I love about that story, Lute, is I know that anyone who's an experienced administrator listening right now remembers that first year. <laughs> and I have heard a version of that story from so many different people who, well, I have a master's degree. I have all this training and I still, I'm overwhelmed with like, what am I supposed to be doing? And, you know, we do new principals academies here um, in Oklahoma. So I've worked with new principals in those settings and I've worked with new principals through the work that I do in principal matters. And in all of those settings, um, that is just the reality that all of us, and, 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 you know, just from like your first year of teaching too, that there are, there's a lot to learn, but preparation, um, can look different for some people. Uh, and, and when I think back to my teaching career, for instance, I'm really grateful now that I had a traditional education, um, focus on, in my degree, because now that I'm working with educators who are coming in alternatively or emergency certified, there's a lot they don't know because they weren't interned or they didn't have a year of student teaching or whatever it is that I, I had the opportunity to do ahead of time. And that same situation happens in leadership. Some people um, may feel a little bit more on their legs than others, but I, I would say the vast majority of people that sp do spend that first year figuring things out. And what I appreciate about your work, Lute, is that not only did you learn those lessons as a leader, but now you're giving back. And you you guys have put together um, through the new schoolleader.com some free content for leaders. What are some of the topics that you guys have focused on for new leaders that you've been able to share out in content to help people to not have to have those that same journey that you've had? It, it, so talk about that for a little bit, and then I want sure. to talk a little bit more about your dissertation. Yeah. So th there's two sides to the new school leader, right? You know, everybody, when you start putting out content, you know, all the quote unquote creators out there, they talk about niching down, right? So um, we, we really niched it down to this very, you know, these two things, aspiring administrators and new administrators, right? Like those are the two people that, that we're trying to serve because the, the transition, right? From aspiring 
to being in the role, um, it, it makes sense to be able to talk about both of those, right? So we're really concerned with helping people get into the role, right? And, and going through that process, because it can be pretty daunting, depending on where you are, especially down here, where you're going through two or three rounds of pool interviews, just to, just to get into a pool that you may or may not have an opportunity to actually interview for a, a position on a campus. And then once you get into it, how can we help you feel a little bit better about the role when you get there? Uh, so, so we put out content on both sides of those things, right? A, a lot of a lot of what our, what we've done in the last year has kind of focused around helping aspiring administrators prepare for the interview process, right? Or things that that aspiring administrators can do to set themselves up for success. And some of that is some of some of the stuff that we've talked about, or things that you and Jen have talked about, and you know how to prepare yourself for this role. And you can't just one day decide like, oh, I think I'm going to be an assistant principal. Here's my resume, and somebody's going to give me an interview, right? Um, talking about things that you can do to actively get yourself prepared for that, um, for that opportunity. And then um, the other side of that is for new administrators. And it's just, you know, as, so I have, I have two partners that, that work with me on the new school leader and, you know, we sit down and we talk about, right. What, what were the challenges that we had, right? What are the, what are the things that stick out? Right. So, you know, the things that you'll see if you go to our, our YouTube channel is you'll see, you know, top mistakes that new assistant principals make, right? Or how to work through difficult conversations and, and things like that. Uh, things that your principal preparation program doesn't necessarily prepare you for, you know, in kind of talking about my research and my dissertation, that's one of the things that stood out is you know, we all as administrators to, to do the work of the assistant principal, you have to become a certified principal, right? You, you, the, the certification on my certificate, it says principal. I have to get that before I can move into an assistant principal role. And the degree that I got in, you know, educational leadership, every one of those courses are focused on the work of the principal. And so they're very macro, right? They're very high level leadership things, but none of those things address the day-to-day -day job of the assistant principal. It's, it's almost a means, right? It gets you into the role, but everything at that point is learning on the job. So, and I've heard people say that when they're doing their internship, as they're going through their master's degree, you do your practicum or you do your internship and you have to have a mentor or a site supervisor, depending on what your program calls it. And I've heard two or three of those site supervisors say, Hey, look, you're going to learn all of this on the job anyways. So when it comes to getting your hours, let's just kind of keep it in, you know, stay in your lane and, you know, find ways to get these hours doing the things that you're already doing, which sounds great in the moment, right? It makes it a lot easier that, you know, I don't have to figure out some, you know, really difficult path to getting these 160, 200 hours that I have to collect but then I get into the role having not done anything to actually prepare me for it because I'm going to quote unquote, learn it on the job anyway. So oh, I love uh, that. that. Yeah. That's what we're trying to put together is, you know, uh, just some small tips that you can see and go, oh, okay, so maybe that'll help me just a little bit when we get into the role. Well, I love it because with your new leaders um, YouTube channel, you guys focus on some of those practical things that you didn't learn until you were doing the work. And you're right. When we're working on our master's degrees, it's a gamble whether you're going to get 
a professor, for instance, who had a strong leadership background in education, sometimes you've got a, somebody who's like, they really understood the principalship. And sometimes you get folks that are in there because their degrees may have led them through research, for instance, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily, their practice may not have been as strong. Uh, and so it just kind of depends. On, and, and so learning from practicing leaders can often be such a powerful way to supplement what you may have missed in your degree area, depending on where you're coming from. So I want to encourage principal managers listeners to check out your YouTube channel, but you're reminding me of, of, of an application um, loot. When, when I was, a, when I became a, an assistant principal, I was in a school that um, had a, a couple of role, role, AP roles. And, and one of them um, was one that had been, that was replaced a few times while I was there. So I, I was commissioned to train new APs. And then when I became the principal, I was hiring APs. And so one of the things that um, I don't even think I realized at the time was helpful. So principal managers, listeners, this may or may not be helpful for you. But when I would meet with a new AP that was coming into a school for the first time, I would think about other things too, in terms of like, um, let's walk through a possible day before kids get here. Let's walk through a possible day where you're dealing with discipline. So let's pretend right now that you've got a student who's in trouble for X, fill in the blank. Now you're going to have a meeting with that kid. Where are you going to record that conversation information that you had? Oh, so, let's, yeah. Yeah. yeah so let's for, find for that. Me, yeah. yeah it, it, where, where are you going to, what, what documentation will you follow up on? Let's now let me show you a sample of where we can put that. What is your student information system and where will you log that information? How do you contact their parent? And so just walking through that entire scenario from beginning yeah all the way till we put that paper in a kid's file, man, what a helpful tech, you know, just walking through the techniques of the work. And sometimes we just don't think about that sometimes when we're thinking about those, like you said, those, those big picture ideas of leadership, because sometimes we need the nitty gritty. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I, you talk about that, you talk about a discipline situation. I had no idea, right. The first time somebody said the word bully, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, I know that's not good. So I know that I have to quote unquote investigate it. And uh, so I immediately go down the hallway to my associate and go, Hey, you've been doing this for seven years. What are the steps, right? Like, you know, I have an idea that I need to talk to a bunch of kids and I need to talk to, and I need to start getting statements. I know that much then walk me through how to put all those pieces together. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. And just having some, again, not waiting till someone walks into your office and says, I'm being bullied, right? Like having a plan before somebody gets there is huge, but um, it's, those are the things that really get left off in all of your training. Even, even at the local level, right? Every district has some, or almost every district has some type of leadership cohort, right? For aspiring administrators. Mm -hmm. But, and I've gone through that in a couple of different districts and they're all very similar in that it's still very high level, right? It's, it's more about getting to know the leadership philosophy of the district and the leadership within the district and, mm -hmm. you know, what, how to maybe potentially get one of those jobs in that district, but not necessarily about, okay, and now you're hired. So here's what you're going to have to do. Um, so that's, that's kind of where, where all this came from. I love it. I, I know you and I share a lot of the same passions, which is why, you know, I wrote my first book, Principal Matters, because I wanted to be able to share just some of those practical ways that school leaders could stay engaged with the ways that they serve students and communities. But I, I want to finish this conversation, Lute, 
by asking you to share the research that came through your dissertation, because you not only took this passion in the work that you're doing presently and in helping new leaders. I mean, you, you've you been creating content for new leaders as you've grown in your leadership. Mm-hmm. But then when you had the opportunity to um, become Dr. Lute Croy, you focused your dissertation on new leaders. What did you discover in that research that would help listeners think about their own leadership? Yeah. So, I mean, there were a few things that, that really stood out. So my study was the the perceptions of new assistant principals as it pertains to how prepared were they when they entered the role, right? So I I interviewed, I did a qualitative study, I interviewed 16 new assistant principals, which are people with less than three full years in the role. Um, that's that's kind of how we define that. And the things that I was really interested in was what, what were you most prepared for? What were you least prepared for? Um, did your principal preparation program do a good job of preparing you for the role? You know, how do you feel about that? And, um, you know, just those kinds of questions, right? So all the research, you know, as, as I'm writing my literature review, all of the research says that overwhelmingly people aren't prepared for quote unquote instructional leadership when they, when they step into the role. And surprisingly, most of the people in my study said that that was actually something they felt most prepared for. And there's, you know, confounding variables that that could certainly impact that, right? There's uh, most of the people that were in my study for whatever reason had been instructional coaches or curriculum coordinators. So they had really strong backgrounds in instruction. But I think if this study was replicated in a lot of different places, I don't know that that's what the sample would look like. I think it was very unique to the area that I'm in and the the people that I happen to get from my study. So I don't know that that's normal for everyone to feel like they're most prepared for instructional leadership. But nonetheless, the thing that, so 50% of the people in the study said the thing they were least prepared for was the amount of work that comes across their desk in a day. Uh, time management was, was huge. They just didn't know how to keep up with. And and I think most school leaders can, um, can relate to that, right? I, there's, there's just so much that you're not potentially prepared for in any given day. Not that you can't do the work. It's just, it comes at you from all different sides, right? And some of it can be teachers. Some of it can be t- students. Some of it can be parents. Some of it can be uh, district telling, you know, bringing another thing to you. So that made a lot of sense. The, uh, the, the one thing that I think really stood out in the study was what, what I've called uh, this incongruence between what the, the responsibilities that assistant principals said they were responsible for versus what they said was most important. And when I looked at that, uh, we, we, I kind of had like the top 10 most mentioned responsibilities when I'm asking, hey, what are the things that you're responsible? And they start listing off, right? I'm responsible for this and this and this. 88% of them mentioned student discipline. 81% of them mentioned parent communication. Um, 75% of them said something about monitoring student attendance. 63% of them said managing paperwork or managing documentation. Um, and, and on down, right. All of those things were very, um, task oriented, right. They're all very specific things. But then when I asked them the next question of what do you think are the most important responsibilities for your role? Number one is instructional leadership. Number two is supporting 
um, individual student needs. Number three is safety and security. Uh, you know, so the things didn't line up. The things that they said they were spending all of their time doing didn't line up with what they thought were the most important responsibilities. Uh, one of the, and I, and I have some, I, I have my, my present, my dissertation defense pulled up here so I can kind of look at some of these things, but one of the, uh, participants, he described it this way. He said, I always feel like I'm not doing enough of the things that I'm really supposed to be doing. And, and I think a lot of school administrators can, can relate to that. I know for me, right. I, I talked about these, these two women that poured into me and multiplied their leadership through me. And I got all excited about, it. I'm going to be able to pour into teachers and I'm going to multiply my leadership through them. And they're going to have this fantastic impact on students. And then my first year, I felt like I couldn't get into classrooms. I'm like, how can I impact instruction if I can't get out of my office and get into classrooms. And I think that is exactly what this guy was saying when I interviewed him for my study, because that was his frustration. And that was that same frustration that I heard over and over and over again, is that I'm doing the things that I have to do because they're, and I think, is it Covey? He talks about doing what's uh, most important versus what's most urgent, right? And we tend to live in this world of urgency instead of really doing the work that's most important sometimes. So that was a huge piece and, and trying to communicate when I, when I talk to aspiring administrators, or when I'm, I'm doing coaching work, helping them identify, okay, this is going to come up. Mm -hmm. It may feel super urgent, but there are very few things that have to be done right now. And getting them to understand the time and how to use their time appropriately is a really big piece of that. And helping them understand how to put systems in place that can handle some of these responsibilities while you're doing the work that needs to be done of getting into classrooms. Um, wow. Well, Luke Croy, um, man, that's so rich and so deep. And I know that we're just touching the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the work that you're doing. So that's why I want principal managers listeners to stay connected with you, especially if you're listening to Luton, like, oh my gosh, Luton, I need to go deeper into these topic areas. Then you need to spend some time on Luton's website. You need to reach out to him um, for some ongoing PD. And, and, and Luton, um, I know when I work with principals too, I do a session on, what I call the eight hats, you know, the essential roles that school leaders mm -hmm. wear. And one of them, just one of them is on organizational leadership. It, because there's so many, so many things that leaders have to do. And that organizational leadership area is really the nitty gritty. You're, that is where it gets so practical. And I spend a lot of time in that session talking about identifying key responsibility areas, training people to, to um, treat you like you want to be treated, understanding those systems for people and processes and time management. So, man, you are, that's, this is golden because these are the, these are the kinds of things that, that leaders really need to be able to, 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 to work into their craft so that they're not overwhelmed all the time, so that they can find joy in their work again, so that they can really work in the strengths that they have. And so principal managers, listeners, as we wrap up this time, and I'm so sorry, we're coming to the end of our time today, Lute, but as we wrap up this time together, I want listeners to be able to stay connected with you. Um, if you're listening to this and you want to reach out to Lute, I'm going to have him share his contact information. If you're listening to this and you want to reach out to me and you're like, well, I want some more training on this too, then reach out, but you can always Find me at will at williamdparker.com is my email address. And I'd love to have some further conversations with you. But Luke, how can folks stay connected with you? Um, how can they find your content? And how can they reach out to you if they want to talk more? 
Sure. Uh, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter at uh, Luke Croy. So it's just my name. It's really simple. And uh, you can email me at loot at the new And if you're interested in, so we put out a, we put out a newsletter, a newsletter every few weeks for new and aspiring administrators, just things that uh, things that'll help you grow and things that'll help you think through um, the next steps in your leadership journey. We, uh, we do that. If you're interested in that, you can check it out at the new school slash subscribe. Um, and you know, if you go to those places, it'll, it'll lead you to all the other things that we do. Well, Luke Croy, I know that you and I are recording this during a holiday. So and principal matters, listeners, you're listening to this after the Thanksgiving holiday, maybe you're preparing for Christmas, but either way, I'm just so honored that I had this time to spend with you today. Thank you so much for the time that you've given to um, speak back to listeners on the, the important parts of transition and leadership, as well as things you've learned about helping support and resource new leaders. And Principal Matters listeners, I know as you're listening to this, whatever you're getting ready to do today, your school is blessed because they have you in that community. And so please... Uh, best wishes on your work today. Thank you for listening. Thanks for doing what matters. We'll talk to you again soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.